Oh no, there's another squad attacking. Welcome to the third party and Apex Legends podcast hosted by myself, Shay, and joined as always by my co-host, Henry. Henry, how's it going today? It's going really well, Shay. I'm still loving season 10 and obviously this is a big episode for us. You know, big topic. I'm really excited. It's the big one. Today we are sharing our tips and tricks for Seer in our latest edition of Mastering the Legends probably the most popular segment and episode that comes to the show each and every season. Before we do any of that, though, um, just got to say, we hit 1,000 members in our Discord. Please come join. Make sure to chat, Apex, find teammates, receive third-party updates. Link for that's in the description. It's a fantastic time over there, and the community just keeps on growing. Huge shout out. It's a big milestone for us. We're excited for another one coming here pretty mm -hmm. soon, so let's keep it rolling. If you want to help the third-party nation achieve more goals like this, please consider supporting us on Patreon over there. In exchange for your support, you can receive ad-free listening, exclusive merch, gaming sessions with us, monthly calls, Discord perks, and more. If you help us reach our next goal and you're interested in a video podcast, we are so close to making that happen. So, so close. And we're excited to kind of go into it and give it to the patrons once you guys get us there. Thank you all so much. Let's do it. Let's dive into the news. First piece of news, the Legends Recolor store is live. This is going to be a two-week deal that has recolors of skins rotating in every four days. So you'll be able to purchase the original one as always, but also be able to purchase with Legend tokens or without Legend tokens the recolors of those skins this is also going to see the return of the phase walker recolor and a bundle with 30 apex packs if you would like to get a pretty good deal in terms of if you're an apex pack buyer and it's a fun one because we get this question a lot what should i craft and we kind of talk about wait till you have a recolor because then you get two for the price of one now's a great time for those people that have been playing for a long time and have legend tokens to snag that two for one if you're kind of deciding what to do with your crafting materials. That's right. It's a fun one. Next piece of news, the Bangalore edition of the game is out now. Comes with a great bang skin, a great trailer, a great G7 skin in 1999. Henry, does this G7 skin, are you going to be copping this physical edition at all? It's a good one. It's a good one. I mean, the Bangalore skin is a superhero theme. I think that's mm -hmm. really unique. Um, it's a really cool twist on her model and kind of her her personality so i like them a lot you know i haven't picked up the gibraltar edition yet but mm -hmm. it is one of my goals in life to have all of them so maybe we start that collection here soon that's a good one i like that okay big piece of news uh the lead game designer for apex legends daniel klein has been let go by ea respawn and for those of you who are not aware, form conversations surfaced from 2007 that showed Daniel stating some bigoted statements, essentially. And that was a part of the key thing that uh, he was let go for. Uh, we would like to read off Daniel's response, though, to this. Uh, he officially kind of came out and said something. Daniel said, I fully own the awful bigoted statements I made in 2007 and am disgusted with my younger self for making them. But there's also no doubt in my mind that when that they came to light because someone went looking for things to hurt me with. EA was aware of this allegation, and I specifically asked them to be on the lookout for these strategies being used against other employees in the future. Obviously, some interesting stuff there that we can talk about. Uh, but I just want to say that, you know, Daniel, that's some horrible stuff that was said back then. And that's really too bad. We hope that, you know, since that 2007, Daniel's changed. And by all means, through the multiple conversations we've had with him, in which he was very kind, it struck us as a nice person. He was the first person at Respawn to give the third-party podcast uh, a chance and has repeatedly said kind things about us when we've talked to other devs about coming on the show and it's ever come up at Respawn. And for that, we will always be thankful. There's kind of a couple things we can say, uh, but one of the things that's very interesting as well in this entire conversation that this opens a very high profile role at a AAA gaming studio that is in the midst of its largest season ever. Uh, that doesn't happen quite often, and this could impact the way balancing works for the Legends, in which that was Daniel's kind of key role, and 
we're very looking forward and excited to seeing how this gap is fueled, filled and we will keep you guys updated. Henry, uh, I will let you take it away with anything you would like to say as well. I'll just add that we're disappointed with how this kind of unfolded. It's disappointing mm-hmm. on many levels, um, but we are hopeful for the future. Uh, just like you said, this is a big opportunity. Um, these type of opportunities don't happen all the time. And given how much control Daniel Klein had over the game for the last year and a half, we could see some major changes happening. So mm-hmm. I think this is hopefully going to be a positive to the game. We don't really like how it happened. What happened back then in 2007 is very disturbing and we do not support it. Um, and so I think just try to look towards the future and have hope for a better Apex tomorrow. Well said. Well said. Let's keep it rolling. Uh, before we kind of dive into Mastering Legends, the last piece of news here is shout out to Timmy, who did a solo bronze to predator stream, did it in 54 hours and 30 minutes straight of streaming. No sleep. Oh my goodness. What a savage. Henry, when you hear that number, 54 minutes and 30 seconds to go from bronze to pred solo, what's kind of the first thing that comes to your mind with that? What a goat. You know, I I think that that really helps to solidify his abilities in Apex as one of the greatest of all time. Mm -hmm. Um, I think this rises to the level of stardom that ACU had. You know, I I think that this is big and having a kind of a, Timmy's been playing a long time. Don't get me Mm -hmm. wrong. But this moment I think is so big to have kind of a, a new star to look at. And before then, I think earlier this year, we covered his crazy damage games that he was dropping. Mm -hmm. And it's just so clear that this kid's got skill and I'm excited to see what the future holds. You know, this could be, this could be big. Timmy's awesome. And if you want to see someone just fry, check out his Twitch. No doubt about it. With that though, the segment you've all been waiting for, Mastering the Legends, Seer Edition. This is our favorite segment. This is a segment in which at the beginning of the season, Henry and I take the first couple weeks to essentially exclusively play the new legend so we can put together the best breakdown we think we could put out there for you all for his abilities, how to play him, and what to do. And it is repeatedly performed well for us, and it's one of our favorite ones to dive into and prepare for. Let's talk about Seer, though. Seer's an interesting legend. We knew very little about him coming into this season. And in the end, we got a recon legend. Always a welcomed addition. You guys know that we are all about the beacon, so anything in the recon class will always catch the third party's eye. He's got a very unique and different kit. It's fully recon and intel based as a legend. The other recon legends have some sort of, you know, damage dealing, movement based abilities on top of those recon traits. But Seer is truly just focused on intel. We kind of talked about this a while back, but just to reiterate, it's just such a bold and awesome idea. Information is literally everything. And Seer has highlighted that for the community in general as just the main strength of the legend. Seer pulls utility from Bloodhound, from Crypto, and Revenant's kits. Uh, And we know that all those legends have had times to shine and they've proven to be deadly combos. And this is one that we think in Seer has a pretty dang valuable space in Apex Legends. By now, it's clear that Seer has released strong. A lot of people would agree on that. But another way of looking at him is that he released Viable. How is a new legend supposed to compete against Octane or Bloodhound? Designing a legend that competes against one of the most popular characters in the game, Bloodhound, is a great call and one we support. Plus, this is a record-breaking season for Apex, yet again, so they must have done something right with Seer. Today, we'll break down each ability, give tips on mastering them all, then dive into ideal team comps, discuss counters, and finally wrap up with how Seer compares to Bloodhound, as well as some arenas talk. It's going to be really fun. Before we kind of go into each ability, we just want to give a little update on his abilities because he's in this kind of weird space where we know a nerf is coming. 
uh, as day of recording, according to Josh Medina, they ran into issues with the hot fix and that those need to be fixed before it actually drops. In terms of what we already know about the SEER nerf that will be coming next week, we know that the flash is going to be removed. So that's not something we're going to be discussing when we talk about his kit today. The rest, we still don't know. Henry and I are hopeful and believe that it will not be overwhelming and hopefully in turn shouldn't change how you would go about mastering him. Uh, but do know that next week we will hopefully be giving you guys a little bit of updates on that such. But for the big the big takeaway here is we're not going to be talking about the Flash because we're pretty dang certain that is going to be gone entirely from his kit uh, in the very near future. That's right. So let's dive into the passive. First things first, he's recon, so we got to give some survey beacon love. Great ability. To recap, there are 12 survey beacons on each map. That means, based on the number of POIs, there's more than a 50% chance that a POI will have a survey beacon spawn there. They take seven seconds to use, and I kid you not, this is the best seven seconds spent in any match. And a side note. More than a bat, even wow. better. I mean, coming from bat life, man. <laughs> it's bat life versus winning more games. You know, winning one gunfight, yeah. that's not going to get you all the way there. Having the information to choose where to take that fight, whew, that's good. So the survey beacon's excellent. And if seven seconds is just too much for you, crypto can do it instantly with his drone. So, so good. Plug the survey. Aside from that, Crypto's passive is called Heat Heart Seeker. Hear and visualize the heartbeats of enemies within 75 meters when aiming down sights. Little bit of an overview on this. So while you're ADSing, it displays a blue circle around the crosshairs. Looks pretty cool. And it spikes and turns orange to indicate which direction an enemy is based off of their movement, whether they're firing or otherwise. Now, the entire reticle will turn orange when you're aiming directly at an enemy's location. It's really cool. Like the UI just in general is very cool. And in, in ways, you can use it to pinpoint the number of people, you know, depending on those spikes in turn. Yeah, it's really an incredible ability that we underrated. And I think if you dial in to just this passive, you can get a ton of value out of it. Well, let me, before you go into the tips, let me just ask and pose this question. What do you think about the people that are kind of coming from maybe the COD community and some people that are just saying this character has wall hacks and terming this passive as wall hacks pretty much? Yeah, I, I think that in some ways that's fair, mm -hmm. but in other ways it can be manipulated. You know, you're mm -hmm. not always in the best situation to just hard scope on a corner, you know, that's if, a great point. Mm -hmm. It's not like a wall hack where you can see someone's outline, you know, exactly where they're going to be. You could mm -hmm. know they're going to come around the corner. They're going to come around, but if they jump around the corner, you might not get the first shot on, mm -hmm. or if they put a, a bubble down around the corner, like it, it's not as overwhelming as hacking the game, yeah. I think. Mm -hmm. And so it does give you a lot about a value. We're going to go into every little thing that you can maximize to master it. But I think you should hold your horses on saying this is an exploit or unfair mm -hmm. to the game because in many ways, it, it can be a disadvantage if you're not really honed in to how to use it properly. This is an awesome ability though. Like it is powerful. We're going to tell you how to use it the best it can. And uh, this is going to up there with some of the top passives when we talk about the best passives in the game at time from the OG lifeline passive to now essentially, you know, looking at Sears. And I'm excited to give some people some tips for this. This is a meaty one. So let's get into it. First tip, always ADS, always aim down sights. You will know without a doubt if enemies are within a 75 meter radius. Now, we early on compared this to Crypto because Crypto's mm -hmm. drone can do a similar thing by while in drone, you can look at a banner and that'll give you a 200 meter radius uh, around Crypto specifically knowing how many squads are in the area. Well, in some ways, Seer can do this easier by just mm -hmm. aiming down sights. You don't have to activate the tactical 
drive somewhere, fly, look at a direction and ping, you kind of just instantly know. But you do have less than half the radius. Mm -hmm. But you then also get the directional cues. And so these abilities are very similar. They, they rhyme, but they're not the same. And mm -hmm. it's hard to determine maybe which one is better. Um, but I think it's clear that Sears is powerful. So this isn't a knockoff crypto. In some ways, it's better. In some ways, it's worse. Well said. Now, the passive also works without a weapon. And this feels extremely awkward to <laughs> aim down sights with nothing, but is very, very useful. Because when you're rotating and you holster your weapon to move faster, you're able to check, okay, are we coming up on people? Or are people following us? Or is somebody hiding here? You can just activate the, the passive by ADSing with your hands. Mm -hmm. And you know that without a doubt. It's very, very powerful. And I recommend you do so. You can also hold down the tactical button to get Sears passive, uh, but retain full movement speed. So this is kind of a hidden tip in that mm -hmm. you can be activating the tactical, but also get all the benefits of the passive with essentially no penalty. Mm -hmm. Whether you want to be the person that's still wall jumping around or full sprinting, you know, even when you ADS and you don't have your gun out, you still have to ADS and that slows you down in a way yourself. So this is kind of like a a little workaround to retain that full speed and full movement no matter what while still getting the heartbeat sensor. Totally. And similar to other abilities, you can do so with the tactical by holding it. Um, but to get out of it, if you don't want to actually release the tactical, um, you can just do the switch weapons or holster mm -hmm. weapon in order to cancel uh, the activation. This is just so good in so many applications, which we'll get to. Um, but the other thing that's important to know about this passive is that in some ways it has unlimited range. So when you're using the passive at a range of more than 75 meters, um, if your character has a clear line of sight on another, so you have visual contact mm -hmm. and there's nothing in between the two of you, there'll be a small blue tick which will appear on the UI around the reticle, alerting you to an enemy in that direction no matter the range. This is great for rotating in a wide open area. And when you're holding a high ground or a power position, but you don't have a scope with a lot of zoom, you can actually know, okay, are people approaching? Or if you have the Kraber, this is a great application. You know mm -hmm. where people are further than the 75 meter range. It's kind of crazy. I feel like people, you know, you read that ability, you don't really get that kind of sense that this is a piece of information that you can gain. And I don't see a lot of people understanding. I've explained to a, a lot of randoms that have picked Seer and a lot of people I've played with that. They're like, what are these blue ticks? And I'm like, that's an enemy. That is an enemy that is more than 75 meters away, but you can see them. Like maybe your eyes can't see them, but the game can see them. Pretty cool passive, I think. Mm -hmm. um, it's pretty interesting and it maybe opens up precedents for future abilities that are similar totally. to that. So it's kind of exciting to, to Shay and I. Um, but there's another kind of maybe secret ability packed into this passive. And it's while you're activating it, aiming down sights, Seer has a cone show up on their mini map of kind of the area that's currently being scanned by the, the heartbeat. Um, and this is interesting because you may not use it all the time, um, but it does give you just another visual reference for our enemies in your direct path. And Valkyrie also has a similar ability that mm -hmm. people scanned by her passive do come up on the minimap. And it's interesting. I mean, do you think there's a valuable use case for this? Why do they include things like that on the minimap? I, I think the minimap is such an interesting function because to me, it's a matter of preference in a way. Like, I think there's some people that have played first person shooters for a long time coming from COD where the minimap is everything in those kinds of games. And so they're kind of used to checking that. And this is, you know, it happened, I think, the time funnily with players from COD coming over and we get like an effective minimap tool. I really like it because I just think, especially if you're on mouse and key, it can be really effective for doing those like 360 scans really quickly and not having to like look directly ADS and kind of sometimes it's hard to interpret if you hit the orange or like a blue tick or something. And this will vary, it's very clear and easy to see. It's not my personal preference for how you use it, 
But I do think that it's important to note for some people that are maybe the mini map watchers from just previous games. Totally. Other tips and kind of features of the passive are that heartbeats actually get louder when they're closer, which is really Are you really still cool. scared of this one? I know we were oh, talking about this a long time ago. Yeah, but the, the audio is intense. <laughs> it's really intense. And that mm-hmm. also adds to the fact that you can toggle this on and off. You know, mm-hmm. don't recommend it at this point. But if things are getting crazy and you already know you're getting third partied and you can see people, if you are sensitive to audio, you do have that option. Another thing about audio is that the heartbeats actually get faster the less health enemies have. And so, I mean, just that's incredible. This passive has so much power packed into it that you don't even need to activate the tactical or have any other intel to know, all right, I should jump around this corner with the peacekeeper Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. their heart's pounding. It is so funny because like when we first heard the term heartbeat sensor, for what his ability would be. I don't think you or I would have guessed all the functions that it ended up getting. There is so much detail and little things that go into giving this ability power. And with that comes a huge portion of, I think, Sears powerful kit right now. Now, outside of tips, there's also more so the play style that you're embodying and the mindset. And this is something that we don't always get super into, but because Seer is so information focused and just recon, recon, recon all the way down. Um, There's a little bit more mindset strategy that we have to focus on. Biggest one is patience. Slowing down your gameplay just a bit to get a read on every situation is key to mastering Seer. You have the power, use it, and you actually have to do it intentionally. So you have to slow down just a bit in order to get the most value out of their abilities, specifically the passive. ADSing before, during, and after fights to identify threats as early as possible is a major component to Sears' power. Just think about getting the first shot on. This is incredibly impactful. If you know where an enemy is coming from and can aim in that direction to shoot first, you've likely already won the fight. Yeah, we got a full episode coming out on Saturday, guys, about stats, time to kill, and all the guns and such. Man, if you shoot first, that's going to really change uh, your odds of winning the fight, no matter what loot or gear you are uh, carrying at all. And Seer really lets you do that if you think about it in this way. Yeah, we're talking about it has a lot of power packed into it, and it is one of the leading passes in the game, but it requires dedication, focus, and strategy to use efficiently. Sometimes when you're in a close range engagement, ADSing can lose you the fight. You slow down your movement speed that much, you get tunnel visioned, you can die. So assessing mm-hmm. quickly how much intel is needed is crucial. Remember this as well. Audio is very important in Apex. And it's one of the reasons we were hesitant about Sears passive in the first place. Because sometimes hearing an enemy is as useful as seeing the heartbeat. It all depends mm-hmm. on distance, environment, situation. And that means it's difficult. You're weighing a lot of things when you're using this passive. And so being able to gauge when and where is how you master this passive. Let me spitball one thing about you with you for this passive before we uh, move on to the next ability, because we don't have it actually written in here is the idea of what weapons you kind of use as seer. Do you have you I mean, in your experience playing him so far, have you avoided a sniper or an LMG, something that has the slower ADS movement speed because you almost feel like you want to ADS all the entire, the entire time in a way, kind of like the Gibby mindset of like, I want to ADS because I want to have my gun shield in that same frame. Yeah. I think that's a really great comparison to, to draw because you do want to be ADSing all the time, but you also want to have a quick reaction to fully mm-hmm. maximize the power. So I think that if you're looking just at the passive alone, Seer has a lot of that close range power where you're in a building in an urban environment where you're able to beat enemies to corners because you can see them with the heart Mm -hmm. seeker. So because of that, you can go a lot of directions. You could go Mm -hmm. with an SMG. You could even go with a pistol in order to kind of have that faster ADS movement speed. But at the end of the day, this does have versatility. So I'm not going to say- You can't use an LMG, you can't use an Mm -hmm. AR or a G7 um, because it can be very effective. And the 75 meter range gives you enough 
breathing room to mm-hmm. still be at the top of a building and get some a lot of value out of it. So a lot of answers there. Yes and no, yes and which no. which is fair. Like there, there's a lot that goes into his ability and you have two guns in Apex, but I do think it's an interesting thing to talk about. I've been running a lot of wingman with him when I can, because I do think it kind of fits uh, pretty well with having something with a little bit of range. But at the same time, if you have a fully stocked like LMG or something, it's not, not like you should be dropping that because you're playing Seer in the same way that, you know, we talk about the R9 as a strong hip fire gun. You shouldn't not pick that up as Gibraltar because of his gun shield. You know, there's, there's use cases for everything in this game and it's a gun game first. Before we get into the tactical though, uh, here's a word from our sponsors. Welcome back. Let's let's dive into the tactical focus of attention. So for focus of attention, you summon micro drones to emit a delayed blast that goes through walls, interrupting and revealing enemies. For a little overview of this, you create a cylindrical area of effect in front of Seer, which after one second hits all enemies inside. The cylinder is 75 meters long and has a diameter of 8 meters. It's on a 30 second cooldown as well. Let's get into the effects of this ability, though, because it it does a lot of things. It deals 10 damage, interrupts actions such as revives and using healing items, applies a 1.25 second silence that prevents the use of abilities and cancels those in progress, and affected enemies and their health bar are revealed to the players and squad for 8 seconds. Just a reminder, if you're listening right now, we're not talking about the flash because that will be removed next week as far as we know. Here's the fun one. The interrupt is kind of such an interesting idea. And Henry and I had some questions going into the season about it. Here's a quote from the gameplay designer that created Seer Travis. It only interrupts players' actions. So this means that a lifeline res is not canceled as that would be interrupting the dock drone and not lifeline and that's kind of an important perspective to note because that would open a lot of doors for what else it could impact if you could cancel those kinds of things you know you get into the sense of well do i shoot crypto drones out of the sky with this thing no it is the player's actions that are interrupted not their physical stuff i know you were on socials kind of talking about like oh thank goodness this thing can't erase smokes or yeah. bubbles that are just like out and about. It's huge. I think we we thought one of the biggest strengths of this tactical is its ability to cancel a res and a lifeline can pretty much avoid that entirely. So mm-hmm. we were initially concerned, but this explanation makes a ton of sense. And you're right. You wouldn't want the Sears tactical to be able to one hit domes or suck up gas yeah. or destroy death totems <laughs> in one hit. And so it does make sense that abilities already on the floor already deployed can remain there. It's not a, mm-hmm. an ability buster. Yeah. And essentially lifeline is just that exception to the revive because of how she goes about reviving with her ability, which I think is really cool. And it probably would have hit her too hard if it had been otherwise. Also another note, enemies that are hit by this ability will see the micro drones detected wording on their HUD. Well, they got a little blue too. Different from, I think, the the red bloodhound scariness that we are all used to after 10 seasons of being scanned. That's right. (laughs) Let's get into some tips though. This is a really easy ability to waste and you got to avoid doing so. And one of the ways to do that is pairing it up with the passive, making sure someone is going to be within range. This is a kit that works really well together, making sure somebody's highlighted orange. Oh, I know they're going to be there you know, you shoot your tactical then, maybe they won't be there by the time it actually gets there because of the little delay, but you're giving yourself a much better shot at doing so. Also, I do not believe this ability is best used as a leading ability. And we'll get into the Bloodhound versus Seer stuff a little later, and that's, I think, where some of the use comes up. But rather, a mid-closing fight ability. And you get the most out of this tactical when you're canceling heals revives and altering your teammates to where weaker players are on the opposing team and so scanning people from the get-go with it and then having to wait 30 seconds to use it again when we recommend you try and get a fight over in 15 seconds or less might not be the best way to maximize this do remember 
Seer does not stop a lifeline drone, but does stop a Gibby reviving in the dome, which is kind of an important note to make as that is the mid-combat res that I think a lot of people are using to get away with some stuff in high levels of ranked play, which is where we're seeing some Seer still right now. It's hard to advise people to try and use this tactical to counter movement legends in progress like Pathfinder, even though you technically can. I don't know. Have you been able to hit a Pathfinder grappling through the sky? I feel like it's kind of impossible. Yeah. The Valk is a little bit of an exception. You know, if a Valk's flying up, up and away, as we don't recommend you do, listen to Mastering Valk. If you're a Valk uh, main that's flying straight up into the sky, just due to her slower movement. And it's a great way to kind of knock her out of the sky in doing so. Also important to note, when you hit this tactical, it reveals the Evo Shield color of the opposing team. And taking that information into account for the rest of the fight is very valuable. If you scan two people and you know that the opposing team has two blues and then one, you know, maybe a question mark while your team has full purple and red. That's a clear advantage. You now know going into the fight and maybe that's why you push something you otherwise wouldn't have. This is a game that comes down to seconds. Having an extra 25 health and knowing you have an extra 25 health on the opposing team can make the difference. Let's go a little bit further into the play style and mindset though, Seer, with this tactical. While Seer's tactical is not a killing ability in my opinion it's a finishing ability and that's kind of you know hard to make sense of so let me try and explain it and elaborate seer's tactical is quite rarely going to kill people with the 10 damage it deals as they run away we've probably both done it like once or twice and it's really fun and very deflating when it happens but that's not something you're counting on similarly the valks tactical or even maybe a fuse to an extent where it's like you're not putting out enough damage to have it be a killing ability but if you and your team crack two players they go to heal behind cover but you as the seer then cancel that heal and reveal them for eight seconds at that point that is practically a death sentence and while you're not killing them That's an easy way to finish them out as a team. You're finishing that team if you're playing together and aggressive. So in that same vein, be patient. And like we said with the passive, slow down your gameplay initially. Seer is best used to capitalize on crucial opportunities and understanding when to hit the gas versus when to hit the brakes and reading combat is going to be really important to maximizing when to use this tactical and working it in the best way possible to dominating with Seer. It's an incredible recon ability. It really mm-hmm. is. This tactical is really, like you said, the nail in the coffin. You know, if you're down, if you got your shields cracked and you get hit mm-hmm. by this, not only are you paralyzed because they can see you and they stole time from you and you are no longer safe and you're already vulnerable because you're cracked. And eight seconds is a long time. It's brutal. Like mm-hmm. it's pretty paralyzing uh, having that feeling. But that being said, this is a very powerful ability with a long cooldown and a really small window of success. Yep. Shay said at the beginning, you're not going to lead a fight with this because it's so powerful that you almost want to be sure that you're going to hit. You want to be able to see somebody and not necessarily scan them through a wall, but hit them with a lot of confidence or hit them with your gun. And then when they go behind cover and you know where they are crouched, then you hit them. And that's Mm -hmm. where it can just really maximize. Man, when somebody goes to hit a bat and they're halfway through it, or even worst case scenario for them, which they shouldn't be doing in the first place, but they're halfway through a Phoenix and that gets canceled. Dude, I've dropped my controller at times this season because of that. Like it's over at that point. And very importantly so as well is if you are the kind of that last person in with the seer if you're playing with a really aggressive team comp the opposing team might get cracked by your teammates and not even know that you're coming up as the seer and that can be an advantage for being that slower more patient coming in at the end kind of legend for with the tactical at least yeah in the right situation if you hit it this is probably the most powerful tactical in the game as it is right now That being said, does that mean it's broken? I would still argue that even though when it happens to me, sometimes I put my hands in the air because you just Mm -hmm. surrender, you can counter it by playing as a team and covering each other's backs and not getting overextended. If you go out by yourself and you get scanned, 
well, it doesn't really matter if you got scanned because you're already dead. Now mm -hmm. you're just going to be punished for playing more risky. If you're, mm -hmm. if you're caught by yourself in a fight and you get scanned, well, now you really can't go back to your teammates because you're just bringing people into, into the slaughter by doing so because you're scanned for so long. So I think it's very powerful, but the counter to it is changing the way you play, which mm -hmm. that's big. And I think that's a tall order, but it does have a counter. It's, it's hard. It's true. The tactical and the passive and the ultimate, which we'll talk about here, pair together and especially in ranked, remove the concept of ratting. And whether that's good for the game or bad for the game, maybe we'll discuss at length in a further episode, but it's definitely different. And it's nice to be the seer and pick up one extra KP because you use the passive and the tactical to sneak out one person. I've been on the other end. It's very demoralizing to think you found a really good hiding spot and the seer just gets you on heartbeat and there's nothing you can do at that point. So that's, I think that's a, that's a whole nother door and rabbit hole we could go down if we wanted to a different time. It is. And I think that people come to listen to this show because they, they kind of, they want the truth, but they also want to be hopeful for the future. Mm -hmm. And this ability, this idea of the heartbeat and the scanning and maybe the anti-rat kit, Apex has always been evolving. And even though totally. this may feel mm -hmm. like a major change, just think about Shay and I as original players. We used to think that the ring was a really scary thing. Now yeah. we have mm -hmm. abilities that counter the ring. We have items that counter the ring. We have a completely restructured ring over seasons and seasons of tweaking. Like, how you play Apex has been changing every single season. And Seer is just another addition to that. If you ask mm -hmm. me, I think Valk impacted the game as much, if not more than Seer, mm -hmm. just in a different way. So we roll with the punches and how Apex is played is largely determined to what legends are being played. And so totally. that always changes. And we'll talk about that at the, at the end of the show here. But remember that like if you are a main of like a Bangalore per se and you feel like my character is getting overshadowed by others you know I feel like everyone's coming into the game with crazy cool power well if we get a lot of really good characters into the game we're gonna bring you up to that level mm -hmm. eventually it will take some time there's a lot to go through that process but don't give up hope there's always some hope for your uh, characters no matter where they're at in the game <laughs> absolutely right and that being said everyone's so powerful right now it's true really you can win crazy. with everyone like mm -hmm. there are some exceptions and we'll talk about them you know more that, on, we're penciled in to talk about them too yeah today is about seer back yep. to the ultimate it's called exhibit which i love the name said that before it's so say good. it again mm -hmm. And what the exhibit does is it creates a sphere of micro drones that reveal the location of enemies moving quickly or firing their weapons within. It has a 90 second cooldown. This is lightning fast. This is likely going to be shifted in the patch that will nerf Seer a little bit. But cooldown aside, cooldowns on ultimates isn't entirely relevant to power. Yes, you can use this a lot, but generally, based off of how long a match of Apex is, how many fights you get into, typically going to have your ultimate every single fight. So even though this seems very, very quick, it is, it will be changed. It being changed probably won't counteract how we're going to say you should master this ability and this kit as a whole. It, it might like alter the pubs matches where you're trying to run through everything as fast as possible but in those matches are you really playing for the legends abilities per se or more so just to shoot people it, it, it's not gonna like like you're saying in a ranked game when you're trying to be patient from match to match you'll still probably have your ultimate even if they bring this up from 90 to say like 120 yeah so the overview it lasts 30 seconds it has 125 hit points. So the actual heart that you send out mm -hmm. that triggers the exhibit has 125 hit points and can be destroyed. Airborne players or players who aren't considered or who are considered to be crouched or not sliding will not be revealed. So it isn't foolproof. 
like the tactical is and knowing exactly mm-hmm. where people are and it's revealing. The number of enemies detected is shown at the bottom of player's HUD only while inside the exhibit. So this is an interesting balancing decision mm-hmm. that I think. If Seer chucks out the exhibit and is outside of the sphere, you don't get that indicator as to how many people are inside. You have to actually have presence inside the ultimate. Same with your teammates. Question is, you need to have one foot in or two. Yeah, you have to be committed to get the full intel of it, which I think is cool. Um, Now the tips. Right now, you can toss this as soon as you make visual contact as a squad. Don't hesitate Mm -hmm. right now. A little, you, I think... With this, you're going to lead with the ultimate before you use the tactical, which is a really interesting position it's to be in. It's not normal. Yeah. Um, you can use this ultimate um, to easily land that tactical hit. And so that gives you a massive advantage in a close range fight. But you can also use this ultimate defensively as well. Enemies may hesitate to push or chase if they know that their quick movements can be seen. So mm-hmm. if they crack you, and you didn't expect to have a fight at that moment in that space, you can toss down the ultimate and it may slow them down enough for you to reposition, heal, retreat, do something in order to regain your bearings. It's really nice to run up to a third party a team and you throw this down and you know how many uh, people are still left standing from the previous fight. <laughs> totally. And using it to kind of just toss onto the chaos in order to get a full picture of what's going on this is really, really powerful, I have to say. Yeah. Now, the playstyle and mindset on top of that. Using this ultimate not only gives you massive intel advantage to enemies' locations and movements, but most importantly, it forces enemies to react. Enemies don't see that they're scanned. They can see the sphere, but this is a major advantage. Enemies will do something they don't want to do. They'll either stop shooting because they don't want to be detected. They'll stop running because they don't want to be detected. They'll crouch. They'll hide things that they weren't planning on doing. Or they'll try to move and shoot the ultimate because they do not want to run and hide. They want to continue Mm -hmm. running and shooting. So forcing them to do something that they didn't want to do is a major tactical advantage. So aside from seeing, you know, light footsteps, where people are, what floor they are, just forcing them to react is a really unique tactical. And on the scale of this ability, that's major. Of course, Mm -hmm. like other abilities will do the same thing. Like this ultimate can set the tone even better than a defensive bombardment from Gibraltar or a caustic like Nox grenade, it can't be ignored because of the size and it can be used both indoors and out. Mm-hmm. I think that's an important thing to note in terms of like placement for it. Like how do you place this ultimate per se? If you know people are inside and you can place it on the outside to avoid it being able to be shot, that's kind of like a key advantage. It's not per se like a totem where it's like you need to be incredibly precise on where you put this thing and throw it down. The more you can hide it, the better. More so understanding if you're fighting in a very tall building that the thing's not a full circle and it's not going to show everything is kind of key to understanding how to place this ultimate as part of the kit. Totally. But no matter where you're placing it, knowing that it is a piece of bait that it's going to put pressure on enemies and change their game plan is something that you have to consider. This is a really powerful ability and it just informs the tactical so much that with the passive tactical and ultimate combined, using them all at the same time can just give such incredible results. And that leads on to future questions of how do you balance a kit that is so connected like that? Yeah. Caustic mm-hmm. is the closest, closest example of someone that the whole thing just works together. If you change any one of those components, you're having a major impact on the legend's power. So Sears coming in, an interesting place, interesting mm-hmm. abilities. To master that, you have to look at all three of them and use them together in a great recipe. And so it, it takes practice. I'll add that. That's a good point. We've, we've been... Uh... 
we've been playing them for a while now, and uh, the term mastering is still not uh, not how I would fully define myself yet. I feel like we have a very good grasp on how to do it. Now I just got to figure out the execution of doing so consistently. But he is a incredibly fun legend to play, really unique, really cool. And I'm excited for him and the future of what he means for the Apex games. Obviously, if you are freaking out listening to this because there were some big updates, check out the next episode and you'll kind of hear the breakdown of us covering those updates per se. That's right. Let's talk about the team comp of Seer though. And this is kind of a difficult thing to look at where he fits. In general, we think the most powerful team comp is Bloodhound, Gibraltar, and Octane. It's been dominating ranked for a while now. And it's consistently shown through as having versatility and a lot of power. So where does Seer fit into that conversation? And can they provide equal or greater team utility to be a top performer in that team composition? We're not entirely sold on that yet. If he replaces Bloodhound per se in that team comp. Some comps that we've kind of put together though could look like this. Bloodhound plus Bang plus Seer. That's like your information game. And that has been an early favorite of mine as well. Pairing the Bloodhound and the Seer together gives you that initial scan at the beginning of the fight that we were kind of recommending you maybe don't do with Seer and then gives you still the closing ability of Seer where you're overwhelming with intel for the entirety of a fight. We got some other ideas in here though as well. Revenant plus Lifeline the stealth and assault combo. Do you want to talk about the stealth and assault combo at all? Yeah, I mean, with the Heartseeker passive and Revenant, you can really yeah. sneak up on enemies and punish them with not mm-hmm. only an interrupt, but also a rev silence and then having lifeline to be kind of that combat medic in the front lines, being able to do the reses and recover from those stealth attacks. This is a pretty big move. And early on, people were either excited or scared about Revenant and Seer being able to come on top of people and with the ultimate and the tactical and the passive, not only jump in with death protection, but also know exactly where people are in order to do it quickly and efficiently. Mm -hmm. You can do it, so do it. It, This is a solid team comp. Next, we have Caustic and Rampart, kind of those defensive trappers. And if you're Ding up an area... What's better than knowing exactly where they're going to be coming from? You know, if you're ever curious as the Rampart, what amped cover should I be ADSing and looking at? Now you got a legend on your team that's going to let you kind of know. And that's a pretty dang cool advantage to have with this trio. The ultimate lasts for 30 seconds. So you can wait until they bust down the doors in order to pretty much use the Seer ultimate in order to repel that offensive and so when you mm-hmm. can defend the building using the seer ultimate is just so powerful in order to focus the fire in order to put out whatever sort of mm-hmm. shenanigans people are trying to do similarly the bloodhound and other recon legends we just see seer as very versatile and just a great welcome addition to the game for the vast majority of play styles you rock with so i think if you're worried about where he fits i think you'll find a spot on your favorite team comp right now if you're listening to it in general yeah i I believe that maybe not the most specific answer ever but it's true you know recon Mm -hmm. is unique in that way you know octane doesn't fit with every single play style uh but Seer almost does. Yep. Now, what about counters to Seer? I think this is a big one that a lot of people are questioning, a lot of people are concerned about. We have a little bit of an answer here for you. If you mm-hmm. want to counter Seer, try Revenant, Crypto, and Horizon. Now, why? Revenant can avoid the ultimate by crouching and doing it fast. All right. By moving mm-hmm. faster while crouched. With Revenant's passive, that's an ability to completely throw off Seer's ultimate ability. Now, Crypto, with his EMP, he can destroy the ultimate. And so if you come Mm -hmm. in, you can counter it almost instantly with Crypto or come into the fight and third-party a Seer by just putting the lights out. And then Horizon is kind of an interesting one. And if you are breaching an area that a Seer has a, a black hole ultimate can really mess things up but more importantly horizon can get the whole team's feet off the ground 
And so if yep. you totally cancel out that ability to be detected by Seer with this team composition. So that's a solid counter. If you if your main goal is I do not like Seer, then do mm-hmm. this. And I think that's your best bet at just avoiding that ultimate and trying your best to stay off the radar. That's a really good point. Staying off the radar with Horizon is totally key. For the first time ever, we're going to go over arena tips as well as a part of Mastering the Legends. Now, the arena and ranked is a mainstay in the game at this point. Some tips, though. Obviously, we're not going incredibly detailed on how to use these abilities and such like we did with all the other ones. You guys just heard all that. But Seer does thrive in this lane-based mode of arenas. You know, his lore, he comes from the arena, and so that does make some sense. This naturally just being in a lane-focused game makes that tactical easier to hit. And obviously, it's a hard-to-hit ability, but very powerful you do. Put everything in a smaller environment, that's going to be rewarding for Seer. I recommend purchasing multiple tacticals. It's one of those abilities we do recommend buying in terms of you know what you're actually going to spend your money on in your currency. Uh, Seer's ability with his passive to recognize if a flank is coming is absolutely huge. If one person is separated in this controlled environment where you know there's not going to be a third party coming, uh, if your team sees two people in one direction, you have eyeballs on them, but Seer picks up a heartbeat off to the side, to the right, they're attempting a sneaky flank or something, that then becomes a 2v1 or a 3v1 very quickly to take, or a 3v2 if you want to push the two people in front of you, gives you a very clear advantage. You just need to always be checking those side angles and flanks as Seer because of your passive. It's huge. For all the re- yeah. They're not going to take it's that awesome. away from them either. So it's just no. like, wow, there's... You gotta, if you see a seer on the other team, don't be getting crazy with trying to swoop in from the side and flank because mm-hmm. getting pushed back from that is game over, pretty much. Yeah. And for all the reasons we talked about with his ultimate, he's a legend I'm willing to spend up on and buy that ultimate for 500. It feels just like an incredible advantage in an arena's fight that is already close quarters in a small environment. Knowing where everyone is, interrupting their movements, as we said, huge. It's one we're willing to buy. I think for both of us, Seer has really settled in as a main staple of our team comps for arenas right now. Not going to say we're grinding ranked arenas, but we're both plat already. So we've definitely done something right. (laughs) I've really been enjoying it. And it's clear that Seer's kit really falls in line with everything that you Mm -hmm. need in arenas. and. It counters a lot of the strengths. You know, information is huge. Making sure they don't get a res off if you do get an advantage is huge. And mm-hmm. so, see you're strong in arenas and worth a shot if you haven't already. No doubt. Now, do it. Let's do it. Breaking down Bloodhound versus Seer. Obviously, I think those two intuitively go up against one another. We recommended you play them together, which we can talk about a little bit if we want to. But for the most part, I think these two are meant to go head to head. So how do they compare? Totally. I think we can go ability by ability and then kind of look at a holistic sense and then what the community is reacting to. Sounds good. So abilities, passive wise. I think Seer has an advantage here in the passive. It's not even close. It's just (laughs) remarkable how much utility you can get out as an individual with the passive. And you could say, oh, well, Bloodhound has a little bit of an advantage because it may be easier to ping. Um, out the little hints and trackers. But I don't buy that because with the heartbeat, it's very easy to just double tap and ping an enemy mm-hmm. from a direction. So even though maybe the UI on Bloodhound's passive is good, Sears is still better. Agreed. The tactical is where the fangs come out. I will give the early lead to Bloodhound and we'll explain why. Seer has an eight meter diameter. Bloodhound has a 125 degree cone. It is just so much easier in order to hit a shot, and they both have a 75 meter range. So they have the same distance potential, but the width of the ability is not even close to being the same. We're talking like it's mm-hmm. almost like a 30 or 40 degree compared to 125 degree. So it's not close. Major mm-hmm. easier on the Bloodhound. 
Now, activation time is interesting. Seer has a one second activation time. Bloodhound has a 1.8 second activation time, much slower, but while in ult, it's 0.9 seconds. So you have to keep that in mind, and we'll talk about that mm-hmm. later as well. Seer has the eight seconds of tracking. Bloodhound only has three seconds of tracking. But Bloodhound gives you the full body, legend view, full on wall hacks. Seer, on the other hand, allows you to interrupt, briefly silence, and then gives you the health bars, which is huge. So they both mm-hmm. almost level out in my eyes in that regard. Then Seer currently has a 30 second cooldown on the tactical. Bloodhound has a 25 second cooldown. So it's a little faster to get. And when mm-hmm. in ult, that cooldown becomes eight seconds. All in all, I think it's easy to jump at Seer as the new thing and say, wow, that tactical is so oppressive. But if you're looking at recon, you're looking at information, speed, ease of use, accuracy, Bloodhound still reigns supreme in my eyes. And it's easy to use. And that's something that's I think people are early on overlooking. Seer is very powerful in certain situations and very, very difficult to consistently hit, even if you pair it with the passive and such. Very few times have I felt like, oh man, I missed my Bloodhound tactical. You know, that's, yeah, it, it that's just hard happen. to do. You know, as good as Seer's tactical is, if you miss it, wow. That's bad. And based on how the mm-hmm. cooldowns are right now, it's even worse. If you happen mm-hmm. to miss the Bloodhound scan, well, if you're an ult, you can put down more than three in the time that mm-hmm. it takes Seer to put down one. Yeah. No contest. The ultimate, though, I think is another story because we're giving a lot of credit to Bloodhound's tactical based off of the unique ability and the ultimate. Totally. You have maximum intel and then the movement speed which I think gives Bloodhound a major advantage. Seer's Mm -hmm. ultimate gives the whole team that intel basic. Basic intel for the whole team for 30 seconds is decent. Because these are both advantages, I think we have to go a little bit deeper into the ultimate. But firstly, Bloodhound and ultimate can detect exact, precise enemy movement 37% of an entire fight with ease. It's easy to do. That's incredible, Mm -hmm. okay? Like, Mm -hmm. Seer just can't do that. Seer takes more focus and skill to maximize and is rewarded with those extra abilities to interrupt, see the health bars, and have a little bit longer tracking time. Eight seconds compared to three. Significant. But let's play out a hypothetical of a 30-second fight. Both Seer and Bloodhound are going to use their full kit, ultimate, tactical, everything. Seer is going to get basic team intel for the whole squad for the entire 30 seconds. Bloodhound is also going to get basic intel as the tracker with the red and the footprints, but only for themselves for the full 30 seconds. Seer is going to get specific intel and the ability to interrupt for eight seconds one time. Bloodhound is going to get specific intel for nine seconds across three scans for the whole team able to scan the entire team on the opposing side. Whew. It, to me, I lean Bloodhound mm-hmm. on the ultimate. Just all together, if you're looking for information and that just oppressive understanding of where the enemy is, what they're doing, I go to Bloodhound. The, the 37% is ridiculous and it's unavoidable. Yeah. That's kind of the key thing for me. Like while we talked about the benefits of being able to force people to do something they don't like with serious kit, you still can't avoid it per se. There's not going to be a situation in which you activate your ultimate and it gets shot out. And you're, I mean, unless you die. And at that point, it doesn't matter what your ultimate was if you die. So I think you have it written in here as well. Like the largest difference is this cooldown. And I think that's kind of where there's some sort of balancing. But I think you and I are on the same page with, we talked about it earlier, how it's not the biggest deal. There's ultimate accelerants as well. And we're both predicting a seer change to the ultimate cooldown uh, coming up here soon. Yeah. I think even as it stands right now with seer at a 90 second cooldown and bloodhound at a 180 second cooldown, double the time. I still give it to Bloodhound, given mm-hmm. everything that we're weighing in terms of the ultimate accelerants and charge towers on kings. 
Like it just doesn't quite matter. And we also think it's going to be tweaked. Movement speed is nothing to scoff at. Like increasing your strafe speed and being able to win more 1v1s because of your ability. Very, very, very powerful. Nothing to, nothing to skip over at all. Yeah, absolutely. And really, even though we're giving the edge to Bloodhound, we just spent the whole show talking about how amazing Seer is. They are very balanced, more so than you'd suggest. You know, essentially they have the same power with small tilts in value for different situations mm-hmm. depending on their difficulty to execute. I've said it like multiple times before we did Mastering the Legends, and I've said it to you off the air. I feel like I play a game as Seer. I wish I was Bloodhound sometimes, and I play a game as Bloodhound. And I wish I was seer sometimes. And with that comes balance. Perfectly balanced as all things should be. Mr. Thanos said that well. And (laughs) they nailed it, honestly. Even without Mm -hmm. whatever damage control they elect to do, I think that seer fits. And I'm really happy with their kit. Okay. Answer me this then. Obviously, people are probably going to think we sound crazy for saying that. And Keep in mind, we are 100% interpreting the flash is gone. Henry and I are both in agreement that that was not something that needed to be, and that is a powerful part of his kit right now. But what about the community? What about the popularity? Everyone says the most broken legend we've ever seen. Is he dominating? Is it not even night and day at this point? Does he need to be nerfed? Does that mean Bloodhound needs to be nerfed as well? Like, where are we at? Yeah, I think what you have to do is you have to look at popularity. And the first thing you're going to see is that Seer is the fastest falling legend in popularity. Period. Mm-hmm. If Seer is so incredible, then why is everybody jumping ship and continuing to mm-hmm. do so every single day? Bloodhound, on the other hand, is the second fastest growing in popularity just behind Octane and is still in the top four of most popular legends in the game my mouth is open. Like that blows my mind that you can have such a fierce competitor to one of the most popular legends in the game, but they maintain their relevance and their popularity. It shows that they can play together. And I do think this in this massive decrease, it's a huge decrease in Seer as of lately is showcasing a lot of Seer mains that, oh man, I missed my bloodhound. I missed yeah. the ability and ease of use with him. And I think because of that, to go out on a limb with a prediction that I think that Seer will fall below Bloodhound before the next season. I think that Bloodhound mm-hmm. gives so much power and has maintained so much of their mains that Seer's difficulty and just kind of siloed into Intel only is a drawback. Even though it's a major strength, I love Seer. It's tactical. It's patient, and that doesn't necessarily strike a chord with the most popular legends that we see, Octane, Bloodhound, Wraith. Mm-hmm. It doesn't line up. Seer will not maintain at the top, despite what they do on the balancing side. I think as it is right now, it just won't happen. And something to watch with the balancing, we'll get the patch next week, and his pick rate will probably tick up, as things tend to do. Even when legends get nerfed, that name brand popularity tends to, you know, sometimes at least increase, even if the nerf came. That happened with Horizon and people were kind of freaking out for a little bit. And that's why we're saying that second half of the season, that's when you might see this regression to the mean, theoretically. I think Seer is a welcome addition to the game. Wall hacks and everything. Love <laughs> Let's wrap up this episode, though. That's Mastering the Legends. We're ending with some five-star questions. First question's coming from Oh boy. Hello. Love the show. You guys are great. Very soothing voices and great advice. Wondering what you think about a Watson buff where her ult would revive a knock teammate if they were in the bubble. Once up, the pylon would be destroyed or teammates reviving in the bubble would have an extra shield on them or view obstruction. Maybe this would be too OP in upper level play, but will make her more appealing for casual players. All right. Really cool. Really cool. First, a couple comments before I get really excited. Essentially, you're saying that her ultimate should give you almost a passive ability to have a partial gold backpack. Yes. I don't think that's going to happen, and I don't think it's realistic. (laughs) I will also say that we have Lifeline, but 
they've been walking back all these fast reses and kind of cheap ways to recover from a clear advantage in a fight, meaning you get the first mm-hmm. knock. So I'm hesitant that something like this is even possible. Those two things aside, I love <laughs> this idea. I think that this is huge. It, at the same time, it gives so much value. You're also saying that I have to spend my ultimate just as kind of some insurance that mm-hmm. if someone gets knocked while this is active and they're within the small radius, they will get rezzed and I can continue to defend, which is exactly what Watson does. Maybe you could balance it in that they are slowed after they get brought up and they are mm-hmm. forced to heal or something, or maybe it's a slower res than normal and you kind of can opt in or opt out of it depending. But yeah. I really so like more this. on top of the pylon being destroyed, essentially. Yeah. Like I think so. I agree. I think it's cool. I would love to need a reason to play Watson. I've said for a long time that the unique res animation of Watson is one of my favorite things in the game. I wish more legends got unique revives. So we have penciled in talking about Watson here in the next couple of weeks. So keep your eyes out for that and we'll dive in deep. But great idea, po' boy, no doubt. Next question coming from Sergeant Swag. I love Ooh. your podcast, especially the info you gave on the Spitfire. It was super helpful. Got a question for you about Bloodhound versus Seer. Me and my friend usually go Bangalore for the smoke and Bloodhound for enemy position in the smoke. But now that Seer is an option, would he be better? Would he be a better legend to play? Well, great thing you just listened to the episode because we like them together, covering them both. If you were going to say, I can only play one, I actually have, I think maybe the intuitive answer would be Bloodhound. I think there's a pretty solid argument if you were only going to play one for this specific case of partnering with a Bangalore. There's a good argument for Seer and that Seer's tactical size fits quite well into the smoke and so if you are playing very aggressive where you're smoking at the people and then you're throwing a tactical on it that combo works together and for longer than people in you know the bloodhound tactical because if you use the bloodhound tactical over smoke but they're not in the smoke anymore then you're not getting the full advantage of that play so it's already a hard thing to pull off so you might as well kind of commit to the best reward of it i think there's a lot of answers to this and it means that they're both good options i if I were to pick one use case for each, I would say Bloodhound with Bangalore is more offensive when you're using the ultimate. Having two smokes yes. on oh, Bloodhound's totally. ultimate yeah. gives you a major ability to push. On the other hand, I may say Seer is more defensive in that you can put down the exhibit and smoke and not only take away your enemy's vision, but know where they are within a building. Mm-hmm. That's really going to make them retreat. You know, I'm not going to run yeah. into a building... Uh, where it's smoked up and people know exactly where I am for 30 seconds. So that's maybe something you can weigh in your decision. Try playing them both together. That's what I'll say as well. All three. Yep. Last question coming from Grimace. Hey guys, love the pod. I have a question. Do you guys think they should let us link accounts together? I play Xbox and I'm going to switch over to PC. Yes, please. Easiest (laughs) question I've gotten all day. Link them together. Let's no no uh, pushback from us. Thank you all so much for listening. And thank you to our producers of the third party, Ten and Corey, who support us as Dropship Captains on Patreon. Thank you so much. Subscribe on Apple Pods. Drop a follow on Spotify. Leave a five-star review with your question. We'll answer it on our next episode. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Third Party Pod. And check us out on Discord via the link in the description. Thank you so much for listening to the Third Party Podcast. We'll catch you next time. Peace. Hey now, another squad coming in. Boom, whole squad down. Hey, brother, not today. Maybe tomorrow. <laughs>